of you know, I went to the Bucks game on Friday night with Sydney. Our so were you covering it, or were you a no. fan? Did you have a press pass, or did uh, you... Like, how does pre- that work? I had a press credential, but I wasn't covering okay. it. So he's still at one for the year for our over-under, just so we know. Well, no, he didn't cover the f- other game. He only stayed for a half, and he didn't write anything about that either. So he talked about it on the radio. He's at zero? <laughs> I talked about it on the radio. That's covering it. Well... Go glad-handing with Ray Allen and Drew Holiday and not doing any work. That's not covering anything. Well, no, I thought, You gave me grief about being at the Waste Management. Not do- I was working. You missed the, the show, though. What did I miss because I was doing it? I don't know. I have to Nothing. Wait and see. <laughs> All right. Anyway, yes, great to see Ray Allen. Uh, great to meet Drew Holiday. Sydney was really excited. He's her favorite buck. Um but more importantly, I got reminded how lucky we are. We don't fake it around here. We don't pretend to be Bucks experts. It's not our milieu. But we have two incredible Bucks experts, both of whom I got to spend time with. Justin Garcia from the Bucks Radio Network, our Bucks buddy, and this guy, who his most recent story, at least the one that I was reading yesterday, is handicapping power ranking, if you will, the four bucks potential play-in tournament opponents. Ooh. Who would be the, eventually, eighth seed for the actual playoffs. So joining us now from The Athletic to give us all of his insights and maybe tease that Drew Holiday story that he's working on that I'm very excited to read, it is Eric Name on Wilde and Tausch. Eric, good morning. How are you, buddy? Uh, I am well. Uh, it is nice out in the fine city of Milwaukee. It's supposed to be nice out the whole week as I sit around and wait and figure out who the Bucks might play in the first round. All right, let's start with that sitting around portion of the program because as uh, I saw firsthand, a number of the Bucks star players did not play on Friday night, and then you saw firsthand again in Toronto they didn't play again against the Raptors. And explain to us Coach Bud's thought process that you highlighted in your piece in The Athletic on why it would be negligible at best to have played those guys Friday or yesterday with all this waiting still ahead. Yeah, I think with the addition of the playing tournament in, in the NBA, which I, I think overwhelmingly has been a a positive thing. Like I'm very excited, uh, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday to sit here and watch basketball. That means something here in the next little bit. It's kind of like the, the single elimination NCAA tournament portion of the NBA playoffs, which is nice. Um, it's exciting, but if you are the one seed, uh, you have to wait longer than anyone else to figure out who your opponent is going to be. And, if you're the one seed, typically that should not be a problem uh, because that that means you're very good and the eighth seed is not so good. Uh, in the East, I think that's largely the case. I don't think any of the four teams that the Bucks might play pose a real upset potential. But in the Western Conference, I think it's a little bit more interesting because the West is kind of a mess. So uh, as far as Bud views it, they're sitting out a week no matter what, right? Like, even if they played on Sunday, they're not playing until the next Sunday. So it's going to be a full week no matter what they do. 
And if you give them two more days off in the front of it, it's not going to be any less rusty. Once, once you get out of, I don't know, probably three or four days of playing actual NBA games, the rust is the rust, and you're going to have to deal with it. And with the Bucks this year specifically, they just have a pile of injuries that they need to get cleaned up. And, and I think it, for them, that is the most important thing, making sure that they're going to be okay as, as they try to head into the postseason. Well, let's talk about those injuries because it's not just Chris Middleton that is part of that equation. It is obviously some players that are key parts of their rotation. Where are they health-wise, and how much can this week help them leading into whomever they're facing in the first round? Yeah, I mean, when you're looking through, I guess, kind of everything, uh, I guess we'll start at the top of the roster. Giannis was scratched these last couple games for right knee soreness. Uh, That's something that he deals with all the time. This will be nice to kind of get him some time. I think the bigger problem that he's dealt with this entire season is the right wrist. Um, That's an injury that we saw him go through uh, against against the Bulls in the in the very final game before the All Star break, and since then he's kind of had to deal with that, uh, which is not ideal. Um, and you know, after games, it's a bag of ice around it as he's uh, trying to get it right. It's uh, a process called dry needling, where you stick a bunch of needles in your hand uh, to try to go out there and and make sure that, you know, it. I guess it heals properly. You're getting the proper blood flow and movement there. That uh, sounds delightful. So I, yeah, I mean... Cupping. I don't th- yeah, cupping, dry not, needling. Yeah, all those things are, are can be, but with the hand it has to be the needles because a, a cup isn't going to work on, on your hand. Uh, no matter how large Giannis's hand is, it's not going to... You can't get the cups over there, so you're going to have to do some dry needling. So... Uh, just for him, that that is going to be big, uh, trying to make sure that that all works out. Um, Chris Middleton, you know, talking with some people in Toronto yesterday, uh, it does seem like um, if Chris doesn't end up practicing in the very first practice that they have this week, which I would guess is Wednesday, uh, they feel pretty confident that he's going to be ready to go in that second practice. Like They feel good that he will be back on the practice floor, being able to do everything that he needs to do before they get going um, into this into this first round series and into this postseason. Uh, so I think that's overwhelmingly good news. And then you have Grace Mallon and Pat Connaughton. Pat Connaughton has a slightly worse right ankle sprain, or excuse me, a slightly better right ankle sprain than Grace Mallon. So I don't think there's as much concern there. Grace Mallon's going to be a spot where you know this is a dude that started pretty much every game that he got to play for the Bucks this year. I think it ended up being like 70 games that he started. So he, he's a major part of what they did. And I think there's like some real concern that maybe he won't be all the way ready uh, when, whenever we find out who their opponent is on Sunday. So, Eric, I think one of the things that you look at for, in comparison to last year to this year is Brooke Lopez and the availability he's had. Uh, can you just kind of give everyone the idea of how vital he is to what the Milwaukee Bucks do? Yeah, I mean, he put together what uh, – I know there is all-star seasons that Brooke had uh, when he was a member of the Brooklyn Nets and he was more of like a low-post scorer, scoring 20 a game. Um, I mean, I don't think it's crazy to say this is the best season Brooke Lopez has ever played. Um, when you look at – everything that he does defensively. Um, I, I think this is a guy that 
is either going to win Defensive Player of the Year or at least be in the mix for Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, Drew Holiday is incredible. You talk to people around the league, they'll tell you he's one of the best defenders in the NBA. Giannis is incredible. People will tell you he's one of the best defenders around the NBA. But with that being true, Brooke Lopez is the Bucks defense. Everything that they do defensively is built around the idea that we're going to funnel everything into this seven-foot-tall mountain of a man, and we're going to dare people to try to score over him. And people can't. He's just really good defensively. He, he contested more shots than any other player in the league by an insanely large margin this year. Um, he was just spectacular on the defensive end. And then offensively, uh, when Brooke Lopez first got here, it was Mike Budenholzer's first year in 2018. Um, and they just said, like, all right, Brooke, you're going to start shooting threes now. And he became Splash Mountain, and that was, that was a big deal. And this year what they've done is really just let him do everything offensively. It, he is shooting threes still. He had the best three-point shooting season of his career uh, this year, which is saying something because he's had some good ones since being a member of the Bucks. Uh, but he had his best three-point shooting season. He's beating guys off the dribble with these slow-motion, glacial drives to the basket where you think he's going to run someone over, but he's got these agile feet and great hips, and he can get around them and, and get to the basket. He can still score on the block. He, he throws in these little floaters that infuriate anyone that defends him. Um, Brooks has been spectacular this year. And if you look at, you know, the, the best players on the team, like, okay, Giannis is obviously an MVP candidate. Drew Holiday is flirting with an all-NBA kind of spot. Chris Middleton's a three-time all-star. Yes, those guys are, are going to be the people that you say are, you know, the three best players on the team. But if you're talking about, like, trying to bring, like pull apart everything on this team and figure out who is the, the player that is most fundamental to everything that the Milwaukee Bucks do – it might be Brooke Lopez. Like, obviously, this, this whole system is built around Giannis and how good he is, but Brooke Lopez just allows them to do so many unique things on offense and defense, and, and there's just not another player like him in the NBA. Eric, you know Giannis as well from a covering standpoint as any, but is there anything about Giannis that you learned this year that surprised you? Ooh. That's interesting. Um, man, I'm, gonna, I'm about to sound like Mike Budenholzer. Um, you know, I'm not often surprised by things, um, Mark Tauscher. But, no, I, for him, I think at this point, we know, we know Giannis really well, right? Like, we know kind of how competitive he is, how driven he is. And I, I think as far as, like, a surprise, I, I think his willingness to – I think pace himself and just kind of take the season as it comes. Um, I think it's something that he's learned over his career. It's something that, you know, I think in previous years he struggled with, like he is someone that wants to go a million miles a minute. He, he just, he just wants to go, 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 go. And, and I think, as he's developed, and this is 10th NBA season, I think what he's gotten really good at is is controlling games. And I think in his first MVP season, Mike Wunholder's first season in 2018, he'd control those games by just, like, his sheer force of will. 
Like, it's like, I'm the most athletic dude out here. I'm the fastest dude out here. I'm the strongest dude out here. Like, you are going to feel my power on both sides of the basketball. Like, that's just what it's going to – I'm just a force of nature. And now I just think he thinks the game at such a high level that, you know, he doesn't have to go running into the wall that is going to be up for him defensively every single night. He he doesn't do that anymore. He's able to know, like, okay, if I change my speed here, I can zip around the wall and then lay in a finger roll. Or if I get a, a good enough step past it, then I can get a dunk that's uncontested. Like, I can shoot this jumper here, or if I dribble this way, this defender is going to move in this direction, and I can whip a pass into the corner and get Bobby Portis an open three, or, or Grayson Allen, or whatever it might be. Like I just think, and I think this is often what you see as players of his type, like these big wings that control the ball. This is what you see from them. Like you think about LeBron James and in his career, kind of he's always been one of the best passers anyone has ever seen, and Giannis has always been a very good passer. But I think you know this year you're just seeing him being able to control a game with his intellect a little bit more. And I don't want to necessarily say that's a surprise because I think that was the next step in his evolution and his and his development. But I do think we've seen that to a greater extent. And, and if you don't watch him night to night, you might not understand that that is how he wins games now as opposed to what he was doing a few years back. Yeah, Eric, is that just experience or is that somebody – you know, that he really leans on or just watching other players because from an efficiency standpoint, it feels like, especially in the second half of the season, you just kept hearing he's putting all these stats up and he's doing it in less time, less shots, and it's the most efficient season that he's probably had uh, in his 10-year career. Man, I, I think he's just he's just someone that really – cares and really studies the game. Um, I don't know. I, I, I would I would say I don't think there's like someone that he necessarily emulates. I, I think this year we've heard him more often than he has in the past refer to LeBron James as, as the blueprint and the formula for what he wants to do. And, and I think in the past there's always been a, a pretty healthy competitiveness uh, with Giannis and LeBron. He's a, a, with LeBron, it's always someone that he really wants to play hard against. He wants to beat. He wants to go out there and do those things. And he hasn't necessarily kind of said like, oh, yeah, you know, that's someone that I emulate. And and I think, you know, when you watch him, I, I think these years, these last two years have been him trying to figure out what the second half of his career looks like. Because as he's told me and he's told anyone that'll listen, like, you know, I want to play 20 years. This is year 10. So he's right in the middle. And, and I think he's starting to try to figure out like, all right, I'm not always going to be – the most athletic human on the planet. I'm not always going to be the fastest and the quickest. At some point, those skills are going to deteriorate. And how do I survive going forward? And I do think kind of watching what LeBron has done in year 20 this year has kind of been a, a, a really good reminder for him for, you know, I still have another decade. If I want to do the things I want to do, I still got another decade. And, and how am I going to get there? And this year has been to me, just a, a real journey and a real positive step forward in figuring that out. Eric, you made the mistake of telling Jesse that you have nothing else going on, so we're going to take a break because <laughs> I have a bunch more questions that I want to get to with you. Is that all right? Sounds great. 
All right, more with Eric Name as we have expanded. <laughs> that sounded enthusiastic. <laughs> Sounds great. We'll see if I can. We'll see if I can increase his enthusiasm with my questions next. It's Wildey and Tausch. You're listening to Wildey and Tausch on 94.5 ESPN. Presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin and sponsored by American Family Insurance. Continuing our expanded Bucks playoff coverage with Eric Name of The Athletic. Maybe I could go cover some of the games. That won't be as insightful as him, but... I'm sure State Journal readers wouldn't mind my brand of Bucks coverage, or at least a few of them might not mind. I love Eric's brand of coverage, though. But, Eric, I have a few, since you're so enthusiastic about sticking around, I have a few <laughs> more questions for you. One, sure, can't wait. Uh, the Timberwolves, uh, Rudy Gobert taking a swing at a teammate in the huddle. Big deal, little deal, or no deal at all? Um, I would say little deal. Um, and, and I say that because the Timberwolves have kind of been a mess throughout this entire season. Um, True. So it's not, it's not necessarily something that like is outside of the norm for this season. So it, it's not anything crazy or unusual. Um, I think if that punch connected in any meaningful way, I think it would be a big deal, but it didn't. It just kind of hit Kyle Anderson in the shoulder. Um, so to me, it looks like a, a push across the huddle more than, than an actual punch, even though he did throw the punch. I'm not trying to say that he did, but um, it, it looks more like a push than, than a punch to me. Um, and then overall, Kyle Anderson has been that team's vocal and spiritual leader all year long. He's the one that can hold guys accountable. He's the one that tells guys that they need to be better. Um, and he probably pushed the, the boundaries there by saying the things that he did that you've heard the reports about the words that were used in the language. Um, you can see why Rudy Gobert might have been upset about it. Um, so I would say a little deal because that is, I'm not going to say expected of Kyle Anderson, but he has been that guy. He has been the one to push it, other guys and keep them accountable. Um, so I think they will get past that pretty quickly um, and get themselves ready for the playing game coming up here. I think they're on Tuesday, if I, if I have that correct. All right. The other story in the NBA that's not Bucks related was the Dallas Mavericks on Friday night playing uh, their playing very few of their best players and oh by the way an MVP player for like 12 minutes before pulling him off the floor to make sure that they would lose so they could keep their protected top 10 pick and lose basically intentionally even though they had every chance to make the play-in tournament big deal little deal or no deal ooh um I would say it's a big deal. And it's not because I think intentionally tanking a game at that point in the season is bad or anything like that. Um, that was a smart play. If you have a top 10 protected pick and you're on the 10-11 line, um, it makes sense to make sure you keep that pick, especially when you've underperformed in the way that you, you have overall. So the tanking is not what I would say is a big deal. Um, I just think it's a big deal that that team is as big of a mess as it is. Um, mm-hmm. As everyone in Milwaukee knows, um, I, being on the Milwaukee Bucks beat 
for the last five years meant I spent the first three years of that beat trying to figure out if Giannis is going to stay or why is Giannis going to leave? Is this a sign that Giannis will not want to remain in Milwaukee? That is what you do on these beats. And, well, trading for Kyrie Irving, having a terrible season, needing to tank to keep your top 10 protected pick on the final game of this, or the final couple games of the season, all bad looks for a team that hopes to convince, you know, an MVP caliber player in Luka Doncic that this is a franchise that you should trust. This is an organization that you want to be a part of. Um, so for me, that's why it would be a big deal. Uh, the tanking, fine. They shouldn't have gotten themselves in that position. They should have just been better. Um, but if you're bad and you have the option of either keeping that pick or losing it, yeah, you might as well keep it. All right, and then the most important question that I had for you. Not, wasn't it great to see me at the Bucks game or anything like that. When I look at this roster and I go to you and I go to Justin Garcia as my sources, I look at this roster and think, gosh, this may be a deeper, better roster than the Bucks won the title with in 2021. Am I wrong or am I right? How do you view this roster with the additions that the Bucks have made, the Jay Crowders, et cetera, et cetera? How do you view this roster? Is this a better roster than the one that won the title two years ago? Wow. Um, I don't necessarily know that it is. Um, I, I think where I struggle with that is I, I think this team is probably deeper to about, I mean, honestly, all the way to the end of the roster, 1 through 13. It's really deep. Um, but in the NBA playoffs, that much depth does not matter. You need seven mm. re- really good guys that you can trust, sometimes eight. And and I think where I kind of hold up there is that in 2021, um, while people may not remember this, um, the Bucks traded for P.J. Ducker at the trade deadline. Yep. Everyone remembers that P.J. Tucker was amazing, right? That dude is a legend in Milwaukee forever. Um, after they traded from that dude didn't really play that much. He, he was out for a while with a calf injury. When they started the postseason, he was not a starter. Not that even Chenzo was the buck starter. He was the guy that was in the starting lineup. And they were bringing P.J. off the bench, trying to figure out what it is that P.J. might do. Um, and, and I think going into that postseason – I found myself wondering, how is it that the Bucks are going to put together this roster? How are they going to use these guys? Um, and, and I think the, the guys that they have this year are similar in that, in that same regard, but that injury hasn't maybe happened yet. Maybe, maybe Grayson Allen's injury goes longer and it solves some of their problems, but as far as I'm concerned, you look at this roster um, – and you go back a couple weeks, they played the Sixers and the Celtics back-to-back. Um, in those two games, Pat Connaughton is out of the rotation. Pat Connaughton is, uh, I mean, from the roster of the guys on there the last five years, among the most proven playoff performers. Every year they get in the playoffs, he ends up having big series, whether that was like their first uh, big series in Boston in the first year of their run, whether that is him hitting clutch threes 
uh, in Brooklyn, him hitting clutch threes in the NBA Finals. Uh, I, I believe he is the only one uh, to get a Mike Breen bang call in an NBA Finals game uh, as a member of the Bucks. So th- this is someone who hits clutch shots, and he was on the bench because they needed to make way for Wesley Matthews and for Jay Crowder uh, and Joe Ingles. And those guys are great. Obviously, they, they targeted Jay Crowder for a reason. They targeted Joe Ingles for a reason as a, a mid-level exception uh, this season. Those guys are great players, but I do really find myself wondering, okay, they are probably about 10 deep, and they need to shave it down to eight for the most part in seven sometimes when it, when it really matters. And are those seven guys that good? P.J. was. P.J. was that good. He was good enough to step into that seven and be awesome and do his thing. Um, but I am curious if those guys that are all kind of – that have throughout the year done this job by committee, if there is one or two guys that really step up and make their mark in the same way that P.J. did, you know, when he was going toe-to-toe with Kevin Durant, covering him and, you know, hitting the offensive glass and, and doing all the things that P.J. did, I'm curious if they have that guy because Jay Crowder has gone through some, some calf injuries since he's been here as well. He got ramped up and then had to take five games off and then come back. So that to me is, if you're trying to figure out how deep this team is, I do think they're similar in that same way to 2021 when they won their first NBA championship in 50 years. But I do think there is still some of that shuffling that's going to have to go down. And maybe it will be a case, you know, as I've talked to people around the team, like, hey, everyone here wants to win a ring. The guys that you're referencing haven't won one yet. So those guys are, are going to be willing to do what it takes. Maybe that means playing one series and sitting out another. Um, but that, in theory, is always something you can say. And once it comes down to it, are those guys willing to make those sacrifices and get to that same spot and be used in that way? And, and I think that'll be something that's really interesting to watch. Um, that- if this playoff... If this playoff unfolds in the way that Bucks fans hope it does with another run to an NBA Finals. That's why we do it this way around here, because I can have an opinion, and it's probably not as well-informed as yours was. We appreciate you, buddy. Happy to be here. Happy to help. That is Eric Name from The Athletic. You can read all of his stuff there. More Will D. Tau straight ahead. Stick around.